the Catholic Church, the Episcopal Church, the Presbyterian Church. They're a lot more um, kind of ordered by this system or this structure for church life. And it sort of divides up um, the calendar year into sections. And it's used as a tool really to just sort of bring some some order and make sure that all of the different themes of our faith are are reflected upon appropriately in any given year. And like uh, my my dear friend who is the pastor of the Presbyterian Church, um, like her sermons are always dictated by what is the scripture passage for the week that's in the common lectionary. And so that makes sure that within, I think it's a three-year time period, all parts of the Bible get preached through. And it's very different from what we do here where basically our leadership team sits down and, and prays and says, what do we think you know, we want to teach about? What do we think that the church would benefit from hearing this year? And we sort of like make it up. But in many places, there's this structure and this, this system that's used. Um, Christmas and Easter, this, this is a terrible graphic, so I'll, I'll talk you through the colors on it. Uh, Christmas and Easter are the white wedges on the right, and those are sort of the anchors of the whole thing, the church calendar. No matter who's doing it, those are the anchors, Um, which probably makes sense, right? Because the birth and the death and the resurrection of Jesus, those are are kind of the biggies, the, the really pivotal moments in the great big story of God. And so those are the white wedges on the on the graph. The big chunks of green represent something called ordinary time, and, and which basically means everything that's not Christmas and Easter. Um, but in purple, we have these two special seasons on the church calendar. Two special seasons. They are times of preparation. Purple for preparation. These are intentionally drawn out times. Reflective times. They're meant to help us focus our heart in such a way as to enhance our experience of the coming season. And there are two of them. In preparation for Easter, we celebrate something called Lent. And during the season of Lent, we reflect on our human frailty our need for Jesus to come and rescue us. We might participate in um, some fasting, some abstaining from things. You hear of people giving up things for Lent. That's to get in touch with kind of our, our, own, our own humanity. Uh, particularly sacrificial giving is another way that some people um, observe the season of Lent. There's a somber tone to that season. And that's in keeping with the seriousness of Jesus' crucifixion and his death. And what that does is it sets up, it, it really, it makes the Easter Sunday celebration feel that much more joyful. Because first, we've taken time to properly mourn our own, like the darkness inside of us and our need for a savior. And we have that acute, fresh awareness in our mind of the contrast between death and life. And then that celebration is all the more sweet because of that. And likewise, the designers of the church calendar, they included a period of preparation leading up to Christmas. And this is four weeks. Four weeks time 
leading up to Christmas that we can just slow down. We can reflect and anticipate. And as I said today, this Sunday, December 1st, in in this particular year, uh, today is the first Sunday of that season, which is referred to as Advent. And Advent simply means the arrival of a notable person, a notable thing, or a notable event. I'd say the arrival of Jesus in human form qualifies as all of those things, wouldn't you? The Sundays in Advent, the four Sundays, are traditionally further divided, and each one will focus on the four traditional themes of the season. And those themes are hope, love, joy, and peace. And this month, you'll be hearing from each one of our, the four members of our teaching team. We've, we've each chosen our theme and our, our week that we're going to share, and we'll reflect on those themes in turn with each other. Advent candles are typically used as a symbol of the weeks and the themes. And you'll, you'll probably have noticed that we have ours set up in the windowsill. Don't be afraid. Those are LED candles. <laughs> Because this space is not super conducive to open flames, which we typically have had upstairs in the larger space. But we, you know, we don't. We care about your safety. So, LED candles. Um, But I am a big fan, and you may have noticed this about me. I am a big fan of adding elements to our worship, and that's both here in the corporate setting and in our private times alone as well. Elements that engage all of our senses. All of them. So candles are, are one kind of visual thing, sometimes religious imagery. That's a way that we can engage the, the sense of sight. And that reaches a different part of our brain than, than what's happening right now where, where you're hearing my words, you're listening to me. That's a different thing. Or earlier we, we, we tasted communion, we touched communion. Those senses are engaged. And I am, I am a fan of, of incorporating elements that engage all of our senses in our experience of God. So each week we'll light another candle as we reflect on all the themes. And, and, and each week we'll know that we're getting closer and closer. And when all four of them are lit, we'll know that Christmas is almost upon us. And one more special thing that we're going to do together as we observe this special season of careful reflection is we are going to end each service with a special kind of prayer called a litany. A litany. That is a call and response prayer in which, you know, I will have a line and you will have a line and we will, we will pray together in that way. And you may have noticed the papers that were on your chairs when you came in. It's similar to what we pray for our church every week, but our closing litany will focus on the theme for the day, and it's just going to give us some beautiful borrowed words that we can offer up together. So that offers you a little bit of framework about the things that are going to be different during this season over the course of the next few weeks. And I, 
I appreciate this space. I really do. I need this space. I need it. I talked a little bit about it last week, but just about how this time of the year, it can just go by so fast. It will be over in a flash, in the blink of an eye, if we allow ourselves to get swept up in kind of the activity and the busyness and the chaos. It just sucks us in. Shopping and parties and cooking and family and from out of town and and school concerts and volunteer projects. Christmas caroling this Saturday at 2 o'clock, right? You guys are going to be here, okay? I don't know about you. I don't know how your calendar is shaping up, but I, I don't have a free weekend until about halfway through January. And that's great. It's wonderful. These things that we do, they're, they're part of why we love this season of, of year. It, all of these joyful activities that we get to, to participate in, to, to go watch your kids stumble through joy f- to the world in the, in the school gym. Like, that's a beautiful thing. Wonderful things. I'm not saying they're bad. But if we keep such a frantic pace that what, what happens is we, we find ourselves on Christmas morning sitting in a pile of wrapping paper in a daze just wondering where it all went, wondering what happened. If we allow that to happen, we will have missed an opportunity. We will have missed an opportunity. We can, it is possible, we can focus our attention And we can posture our hearts in such a way as to make intentional space for the sacred and the divine aspects of the Christmas season all along the way. And practicing Advent really helps us to do that. I appreciate that we take time, we slow down, we make space. We breathe. We take time to recognize the weight. The weight of this time of year of what the birth of Jesus meant for humanity. To reflect on the desperation of the Jewish people. The absolute, complete, and utter desperation for them to see their Messiah come. And on all the ways that Jesus was not what they expected. The Jewish people were in a terrible spot in their history the day that Jesus was born. They were living under brutal oppression of a foreign government. They were subject to a confused and corrupt religious system. And when people at that time read the words of the prophets that foretold the coming of a Messiah who would, who would come and break all the chains and set everyone free, they looked around at their circumstances and they assumed, they assumed, of course, Jesus will come and he will free us from the Romans and he will lead Israel to political power and they will have all of the privilege and the prestige that they did back in the days of David and Solomon. They assumed that that was the Messiah, the Savior that was coming. But instead, Jesus came in the weakest possible form. 
a human infant. And when he grew up, what he in fact offered was an invisible kingdom. Just before he allowed himself to be brutally murdered by the very oppressive government that Israel was expecting him to overthrow. They were desperate. And he was not what they expected. But he was exactly what they needed. During Advent, I appreciate the time and the space to reflect on my own times of desperation. I think of all the ways that I have already in my lifetime experienced the inbreaking of Jesus into my life, into my circumstances, usually in those unexpected but needed ways. And during Advent, I tell myself the truth. I tell myself the truth that there are other pockets of darkness, both in my own heart and in the world around me and the lives of those that I love. There are pockets of darkness where I am still waiting for him to come. Waiting. And Advent reminds me of that tension of waiting. Waiting acutely aware of my vulnerable place of need, my own desperation and darkness. But it is a waiting that is expectant. And just like the Virgin Mary, it is a waiting that is pregnant with possibility because it is a waiting that is full of hope. Hope is one of the primary themes of Advent, and it is our theme for today. My very favorite Christmas song is O Holy Night. Many of you will know it. It's one of, the, one of the favorites of this time of year for many people, not just me. But it starts out like this, the very first verse, O holy night. O holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining. Till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. This verse of this song, it's referencing the state of Israel that I talked about earlier, it absolutely is. It's referring to that time in history specifically. But bigger than that, it's referencing the state of all humanity. The whole world waiting for the one who would show us 
on our human level, on our human level, what the God of the universe really looked like, how the God of the universe really felt about us. The earth waited in desperation. Humanity separated from the clarity of our connection with our creator until Jesus born into human flesh presented us with an accurate picture of what we were worth to the father and the world in fact did have hope hope of a new era of history where redemption was possible So the words of this song, they eloquently express the significance of the birth of Jesus on a cosmic level. But I think my love of this song, really though, I think it comes from the realization that this cosmic story of we is also at exactly the same time All at once, somehow, it is the very personal and individual story of me and of you. In many moments in my life, many, many, many moments, I have found myself in sin or in error, usually both at the same time, absolutely longing for some way out of the despair and the discouragement. And at just the right moment, Jesus appears. And by appears, let me just say, when I say that, appears, I simply mean that he becomes visible and recognizable to me in my context. Do you understand what I'm saying? He's always there. He's always working. He's not hiding somewhere. He's not off away just watching me struggle and and waiting. He's always there. He's always working. We just don't always see him. We don't see. We don't notice his activity, but that doesn't mean it's not happening. He doesn't change. It's our awareness of him. That's what ebbs and it flows. That's why we sing that beautiful song this morning. Let us become more aware of your presence. God's presence is infusing every nook and cranny of this room and every nook and cranny of your heart all the time, all at once. It's our awareness that suffers and that we need to pray will improve and it's critical to understand that if we're going to maintain hope but when I become aware of his presence when it becomes apparent to me I remember the worth of my soul to him and I feel that as though it were something that is true that my soul is worth something to Jesus The thrill of hope in that moment is like nothing else in the universe. Nothing. 
My weary soul, in fact, does rejoice. It can't do anything else besides rejoice at the new possibilities that are suddenly just over the horizon because I see him. And because I have experienced Jesus in this way, I have a foundation of trust that allows me to have hope, hope to anticipate that he will in the future break into those moments in my life where I need him. He will do so in the same manner that he has already done. In part, that is what Advent is about. We can all have that hope. That's the promise of Advent. The promise is Jesus is coming. It may not be in the manner you are expecting. In fact, it probably won't be. We love to offer our creative suggestions to God. Maybe that's just me. I have all sorts of ideas for him about how he could fix just about everything I can, I can put my hands on. We love to offer him our suggestions, but in spite of all our efforts, we are just not really good at knowing what it is that we actually need. But he is coming Jesus is coming. He is coming like he did all those years ago to that manger in Bethlehem. The promise of Advent is the miracle of Christmas morning. God putting on flesh, moving into the neighborhood. So we can have hope. He is coming. Jesus is coming. He is coming just like he did the last time he intersected your life. I don't know what that moment was for you. I don't know what that looks like for you. But what difference has it made in your life that Jesus is with you? What are those experiences of him that you have had Reflect on those. Remind yourself of those things. The promise of Advent is the miracle of a personal Savior. Of a God that knows our name. Of a God who wants to be near to us individually. Yes, for God loved the world. But also God loved you. You, not the person next to you. I mean them too, but you. We can have hope. We can. He is coming. Jesus is coming. He is coming again one day in the flesh. To this world to make all things new. We sang that today as well. All things rise 
Bless your name, all things made right and new again. What a day that will be. When, when he appears to redeem everything in this broken world. To put an end to suffering and sorrow once and for all. The promise of Advent is the miracle of an eternity. Of our family, the family of God united with the Father in peace and joy and perfect love forever. And the miracle of a world remade. We can have hope. We can have hope. As I mentioned earlier, we're going to close today with a special kind of prayer called a litany. And litany is a fancy churchy word. Don't let that make you nervous. All it means is that I'm going to say a line And then you guys are going to say a line back to me. The ones in bold, those are your parts. There should have been a paper near your seat or on the table, but I want to make sure that everyone um, has one to look at. So if you you don't have one and you need one, throw your hand up, and we're going to look around and make sure everybody's got one. If you've got an extra one next to you, could you hold it up in the air and make sure... Here's one of those things again. Marie likes us to engage all of our senses and to participate in faith. And you speaking the words is a whole different experience than just me talking at you. All right, is everybody good? If you're ready, then stand with me as we pray to close our service. Nice and loud and with confidence. God, as the light of day fades in the evening, we hope for the sunrise. As leaves journey toward earth mulch, As the winter deepens around us, hollowing to slumber. We hope for springtime. As all around us sleep the sleep of the wrecked. We hope for healing. We wait in wakefulness. Eyes open. In readiness and expectation. For you to come. For you to call us on a journey. On the dawn, with green shoots, from earliest darkness, from darkest soil, the goodness that is dung and straw and lamb and shepherd and angel, the goodness that is fresh, babe. The goodness that is Messiah. Year after year, winter after winter. For 
Amen. For goodness, we wait. You are dismissed.